sitting at my uh, console when the Viking land, first successful Mars lander landed on Mars. And here is the very first picture from the surface of Mars. And I'm seeing rocks that I'm one of the handful of humans that have ever seen those rocks. And I, I remember the shivers running up and down my spine. What an incredible moment. It's an honor to welcome our guest today. He's Emeritus Research Associate Professor at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln School of Natural Resources. He's Dr. Arthur Ziegelbaum. We're going to be talking about a film. It's a historical fiction movie that's going to be screened tomorrow night. That's Tuesday night, November 7th at 7 p.m. at the Alan J. Levine Performing Arts Theater at the Omaha JCC out at 333 South 132nd Street. The film is The Death of Ziegel Boim. Doctor, welcome. Thank you for being here. Appreciate your time coming on Omapod today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, and you've got a family connection to the film that's going to be going on tomorrow night's film about your grandfather, and can you tell us a little bit about him and the story and the film? My grandfather was a leader in Poland, leader in the what was called the Bund, the Jewish Socialist Party in Poland before the war. And during the war, first, he was on the city council in Lust in Poland, and then after the German invasion, he joined the city council in Warsaw. And that was so that he could be one of the 12 hostages that the Nazis took after they took over. They took representative of every ethnic group or party as hostages to make sure that the population would behave. My grandfather also became part of what was called the Judenrat. The SS put together a Jewish government or council to help them govern and direct the Jews in Warsaw. My grandfather was on that. And when he found out about the Warsaw Ghetto being created, he wouldn't have anything to do with that, and he fought against it, which, of course, didn't earn him any merits with the Nazis. Sure. And he was invited to go to Nazi DSS headquarters for high-level discussions, which, of course, meant he would never come back. So they spirited him out of the country, or tried anyways, tried to go to Holland first, didn't make it. Then he was through a friend of his, the Prime Minister of Belgium, he was taken to Belgium. He went to Portugal and then came to the United States. And sponsored by Jewish groups, he traveled to the United States talking about what was going on to the Jews in Poland during the Holocaust. Wow. After his tour, he was invited to become part of the Polish government in exile in London. And he was one of the two Jewish representatives. There was a Zionist representative, a Schwarzbart. And then my uh, grandfather was not a Zionist. He believed that Jews should comfortably live in the countries that they had become part of. And so there were two representatives. My grandfather was the one receiving all the information coming from Poland, from spies, in particular a spy called Jan Karski, who was a Polish Catholic, amazing man. And my grandfather received letters, pictures from Poland. And at the time the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising started, my grandfather received a letter through Jan Karski basically told them, we're dying, the Jews will be eliminated, do anything you can to get the Americans and allies to do something to save us. He tried. He'd been trying for a couple of years, trying to get the Americans and uh, British and the allies to do something, anything, bomb the camps, bomb the rail lines, do anything you can. 
And of course, he talked to the British and the Americans and basically got the usual, we can't do that. We're busy fighting a war. We can't. And he committed suicide on the night of May the 11th, 1943 in protest and hoping that would gird the world into action. It didn't really work, of course. And there have been several movies, books, plays about him. He's considered a hero in the Jewish community and in Poland. The latest movie came out in October 20, 2021, and that's the movie we're going to show at the Jewish Community Center. It's an amazing film. It is a historical fiction from the standpoint of the wrapping of the story in this newspaper man who discovers this suicide and then tries to find out more. But the depiction of my grandfather was uncannily correct in what I know. As a matter of fact, when we met Jan Karski in 1998 at an event in Washington, he described his meeting with my grandfather that was just before the suicide. And that meeting was depicted in the movie exactly as Jan Karski presented it to us. Wow. The other thing I'll note, of course, I never met my grandfather. I was born in 1947. And the actor who played my grandfather looked amazingly like the pictures of my grandfather. And when he moved and talked, he reminded both my wife and me of my father. So it was pretty amazing. At the end of the first time I saw the movie, which was early part of 2022, Tears were just rolling down my face. I felt like I had met my grandfather. Wow. It was unreal. That's incredible. Yeah. And as it, a child, how would, did that story, is that something that was just always talked about and was just a part of your world? Or do they take you aside for a special conversation when you're old enough to understand? Or how did you come to know yeah, that story like, yourself? Like many Holocaust survivors, my parents were reticent to talk about it until we got older. Sure. And then... Then we learned the stories and got to read. Yeah, it's something we grew up with and something that it took a large part of both of my brother and my lives and trying to understand it all and trying to figure out how all of this could have happened. What, what, what was so amazingly bad about us that so many people would hate us for who we are and what they think we're doing. Right. And obviously that leads into what's been going on since a couple Saturdays ago. How has your experience, do you have a different perspective on it now than you did before those events? Are you still, as I think everybody is, absorbing, if you can, what's happening? But it's a shocking display of anti-Semitism worldwide that haven't seen anything like this that I can recall anything close. Yeah, it, it, it's as bad as anything I've known. I've been very fortunate in my life. I've only had some very minor incidents of what would be considered anti-Semitism and the people who did it without realizing what they were saying or doing. They just It was part of their language and they didn't really, there was no significant meaning behind it and quickly apologized, corrected, and all that good stuff. My brother and I were raised with a very strong sense of social justice, and it applies not just to Jews, it applies to anyone. Everybody has the right to pursue happiness, to pursue a, a good life, to grow and cultivate their cultures and their children, and that's very important. I actually, while I support Israel and obviously understand the real need for a Jewish homeland, and I absolutely support that. I don't like some of the things Israel has done with respect to the Palestinians and the settlements. And I understand it's a terribly complex problem. 
On the other hand, we donate to Jewish causes. We also donate to the Red Crescent to Palestinians because I feel very badly about but there is much a victim, or maybe that's the wrong term, but there's certainly victims of Hamas, just like Israel is. And certainly they're suffering for it, and they don't deserve it any more than the Israelis do. The attack by Hamas was just horrible, beyond horrible. It's like things that happened during the Holocaust. Babies put in ovens and burned to death. People beheaded. There were terrible stories we heard from my parents that just become very real. My dad happened to be with a group of people, and he was in a position where he wasn't identified as a Jew, but there were Nazis lining up Jewish people, and one baby was crying, and the Nazi soldier picked the baby up by the feet, smashed its head into a wall, and ended the crying. So to have that all happen again is just horrifying. The second part of it, of course, is, and what I really don't understand, I still don't, is, yes, the Israelis are fighting back, but now we're setting aside the horror that began it, and the goal that Israel has of ending Hamas and making sure that people in Israel and Arab and Jews can live peaceably. It's not only Jews who are hit by rockets in Israel. This victim blaming that it's the Israelis' fault is just like saying the 9-11 happened because the United States is really a terrible place. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, I feel very bad about it. The other thing that I've spent time, I've spent time, a lot of time studying this, and I've spent, I give a lot of talks about this. Matter of fact, it's included in the remarks that I'll make at the Jewish Community Center. The Holocaust didn't occur overnight. It wasn't like one day Hitler says, okay, Jews die tomorrow. It was 10 years of effort, and the effort included burning books. It included banning certain language. It included changing the government. It included changing government structures. And the problem is that when you think about it, there is nothing basically wrong with Germans. There were there are very good German people, and there were very good German people when the Nazis came to power. They had a horrible economic situation. They had somebody who was promising making up fake problems and fake causes for problems and offering simple solutions to them. And it was a period when they bought in without really understanding the deeper issues. Now, I pointed out, like for you, I would ask you is if... A squad of soldiers came to your next door neighbor and because they uh, were a different ethnic group or a different political party and started taking them away. Are you going to get out there with your pop gun and shoot at those soldiers and make them stop? The answer is no. You're not going to endanger your life or your family's life. And it is much easier to save democracy when the seeds of its destruction are planted than after it, the destruction has flourished. So... You know, there's a lot to be learned out of the Holocaust, and this is one lesson that I think really needs to be learned and hasn't, is that we need to protect our futures and our dreams and our cultures. And what's your take on college campus? In Nebraska, maybe not a hotbed of protest and those things, but have you felt unsettled? Have you seen anything disturbing? Are you feeling safe? What's the scene like on yeah. campus with this going on? I'm currently heading the Communities Security Committee. It's at the moment an informal thing, so I'm getting the briefings from the FBI and all that good stuff. And yeah, it's a scary time. We've had uh, some threats. We know where you are. We know who you are kind of thing. But I'm really heartened in Nebraska. There haven't been big demonstrations. And it was about three years ago, the 
South Street Temple here in Lincoln was attacked by a neo-Nazi. He carved on the epithets on the old doors of the, the synagogue, and he painted a swastikas on the steps leading up. And then, like an idiot, he took a selfie right in front of our security camera, so we have a beautiful picture of him. Wow. But Not the brightest, guys. Not the brightest. But then that was on a Tuesday. On that Friday, the South Street Temple was packed with Jews and Christians. And the Christian churches in the area had gotten volunteers, and they stood around South Street Temple to protect it so that we could celebrate our religion as any other American does. And that, that makes you feel awfully good, that there are people who really care about things that are so much so deeply fundamental to being an American. It's a hard time. And when you grow up with a heroic figure as a grandfather like that, did you feel pressure or any sense of I'll never achieve something like that? Did it drive you or was it purely or honored to be in that law? What was it like growing up with those kind of expectations? His effort, sadly, was not successful. He didn't achieve what he had hoped to, which is really sad. But he did, even in his suicide letters, he had statements of hope that he believed a better world would arise after this. And so that has meant a lot to me, that that even moments before he committed suicide, he was hopeful. And that means a lot. I feel bad that he didn't achieve what he wanted and needed to achieve. Yeah. But like I said, we've been, my whole life, we've been driven by social justice and fairness to people. I'm now the president of Nebraska Appleseed, which is a pro bono social justice legal organization. And that's very important work, making sure that the people can get health care, can get food, can get jobs, are safe in their jobs. And, and my guess is that I don't know if it's genetic, but it certainly came from the teaching, what my parents taught me, as well as the legacy from my grandfather. And you've done a lot of interesting outside of your social justice, passionate causes and been on boards and things of that nature. But you had a long career prior to that and worked at Jet Propulsion Laboratory for NASA. What's it like on a space mission, sitting in and watching? That has to be one of the most exciting, I would think, or stressful, imaginable things. I've had a very fortunate life. I've gotten to have careers that let me do things that are incredible. I spent 30 years at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. When I was useful, I was an, I'd say that tongue in cheek, I was an engineer, I built tracking systems, and I spent 10 years helping run experiments testing Einstein's theory of general relativity. And that was, and then I, they moved me into management, I became useless, no, I'm kidding, but I, <laughs> I spent 10 years as an, as an executive at, at JPL also. And I mean, there were moments, I call them the shiver moments. They were just astounding. I was part of a part of several science experiments and Mariner 73 was one where we were measuring the atmosphere of Venus by looking at the effect the atmosphere had on the radio waves and the signals coming from the spacecraft. And we also did a relativity experiment, but I was out at the tracking station because we had to be sure the equipment was working. And all of a sudden the signal disappeared from the spacecraft. And the reason the signal disappeared is something I had touched was now on the other side of another planet. Wow. I remember thinking, my gosh, Huygens and Kepler and Copernicus would have given their right arms and legs to be part of that. And here, somebody is going to be forgotten in 50 years, and I got to be part of this. That's incredible. 
Yeah. That was fun. We're certainly glad to have you here and thank you for the contributions you've made. And I admire your work and enjoyed the conversation. I wish it wasn't as relevant as it was, especially with the film, unfortunately. It's a hard time. You're right. But do you gather strength somewhat, too, in times like these when you think of what ancestors went through? And sadly, this might not be a shock to them in some respect, what's happening. The positives are when we had the the United States premiere of the movie here in the Ross Theater at UNL campus, the place was packed. Yeah. A lot of my friends and they were people that found out about it without being known. My wife and I sponsored it. There was no charge to go. And we had gave two presentations, and they were both packed. And people have been very positive and very supportive. And we've heard a lot from many friends about how terrible they feel about what's going on in Israel. Yeah, I wish it's an uncomfortable time. There are enough people who, for whatever reason, don't like Jews. That It's just not as comfortable as we keep our alarm on. We worry about the alarm at the temple. We get the briefings. The FBI told us there's now a international day of hatred the second Saturday of every month, and they're worried that bad things will happen. Yeah. Interesting times. Yeah. I appreciate you again, at least sharing your family and personal perspective and trying to make something positive of at least the awareness of the situation. I don't want to say the situation, of course, but we'll look forward to hearing you tomorrow night. The death of Ziegel Boim. And that's Tuesday again, November 7th, 7 o'clock out at the JCC. Arthur Ziegel Bomb. <laughs> there we go. Thanks again. Well, I enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.